Tuesday. My name is Moore Milo. And I'm Ross Inarelli. And this is the Market Today podcast. We have brought you another week's book, and we have some news about the markets today. For those of you that are new here to Market Today, what we do every single week is we read a new book having to do with business, personal development, psychology, some form of science, something that we can read and learn new things that we can utilize on a day-to-day basis, things that will help progress our careers, progress our lives, and uh, just overall our experience in life. So uh, we'll read a book, we'll bring you guys the keynotes, what we like, what we don't like, whether it was worth reading or leaving on the shelf, and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the markets today, hence the name. So today uh, is actually Monday, May 9th, and of, of 2022 and today has been a massive massive upset in the markets ross tell us what happened today i mean everything is red every, every single thing is red it, it's it's insane you have companies like nvidia and tesla that have dropped nine percent rivian somehow dropped 21 percent today which is absolutely wild i mean everything Google, we've talked about Google for a while, down about 3% today. The entire market, everything, and then that, especially if we're talking, you know, crypto as well. Bitcoin was down over 9%, down to 31,000. And I know that's wild because, you know, Moore and I have always been talking about this, and I kind of slowed down my buying the last kind of month or two, only because I feel like, you know, I have a good amount in there. I don't want to over leverage into something, but it gets down, it gets to 31. I mean, this would be some of the cheapest I've ever been able to purchase. If it hits below 30, I, I feel like I'd almost have to jump back in. So I don't know. What is, what is your day been like? I know you didn't know this was happening until I texted you today and you were like, oh my God. So what has your reaction been today to the news? Well, I mean, I feel like, uh, we're starting to see some of the big hits that we need to take as an economy with where we are currently, right? Like this is the stuff that we've been talking about for quite some time and it's probably not over. I mean, there's probably more to go. Um, and this is to a certain extent expected. So really what's, what's coming to mind for me is we're starting to get to a place where we can start buying again. Um, start paying attention to what's really going to be good over the, the next few years, right, that, that is just being devalued due to the market. So I'm actually, like today I made, made, a, made a move on that dividend stock that I really like, uh, Torm. Again, not financial advice, everybody, just two guys talking. But, um, you know, I threw, threw a couple bucks at um, a pretty solid dividend stock that's like a utility stock, utility type stock. It's not really utility, it's logistics. But either way, you know, I think that, we're starting to get to a point where it's it's a buyer's market, right? Like for a long time, it w- we were just on this massive peak, right? And we're starting to, to level off and starting to come back down to a place where we can start to build from, right? A real correction uh, and possibly a potential recession coming our way. But for me, it, the question is how do I strategize through the downturn to continue to purchase without 
Well, by minimizing my losses, right, and, and increasing my opportunities for safe bets on companies that I think will will succeed in the future, right? Maybe not succeed from the perspective of they're going to multiply in market cap and, and bring me 10x returns, but maybe from the perspective of, okay, they're going to have steady growth through an economic downturn, and because of the fact that their businesses are bulletproof, they're going to continue to generate income for me as an investor through dividend yield or just through you know them growing as an organization in difficult times, right? So I, I'm really looking for opportunities to try to get away from the stocks, uh, ETFs, and and um, assets really that are going to be most affected through the downturn as much as I can at least. That's where my head's at. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely a good time to buy. And like we were talking, you know, about Google a moment ago. And, you know, I bought in at, I think, 2500 a share. And now it's at about 23 maybe even lower. It's at 2250 So it's kind of one of those things where you're kind of trying to figure out, like more was like, hey, is this – we should have waited a little bit longer. And really, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, are we near the bottom? Probably not. Will we go farther? But I think the easiest way when you look at some of these investments is, you know, what was your plan? And I think we went into this with long-term plans. I think it'd be if, if it was something that we were looking more short-term, then it would definitely hurt a lot more. Um, but I think because it's a long-term investment, I think especially now, you know, people are going to be moving their money to companies that they believe are going to make it you know, the next few years. A recession's not easy for companies to make it through. So it's just going to be an interesting time. But, you know, everyone's down. And, and I'm really curious to see where the market goes from here. But I'm honestly confident that it'll return. I'm just I was almost more amazed how, how perfectly correlated crypto has become to the stock market. I mean, it never used to be. And it just it really is. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's It's been a wild day nonetheless, but we keep moving forward. Yeah, and I think it'll continue to be a wild ride with just the amount of uncertainty that's in the air right now. Like, what's I would literally was talking to a real estate agent yesterday, two days ago, and we were just having this conversation of doom and gloom, which is, it wasn't out of being, you know, trying to be nasty Nelly and, and tell you all the things that were awful but but he was kind of coming from a place of like listen this is reality this is what we we're seeing right we haven't seen a cycle this long before and all that means is that the inevitable is coming and it's just something to be prepared for you know it's something to be paying attention to like trends are really important and paying attention to those trends and what has been successful during those te- those trends in, in the in past cycles is really important and you know some of those things that really do well is hedging your bets against cash and hedging your bets towards you know physical assets that are going to you know endure um the long haul through what might be a, a more dry period uh, i think it's really important to, to to be able to find some of those traditional uh type assets that are really going to do well long term through this difficult situation um, so yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting, really interesting. Yeah. Anything and the other to thing to note, I would say the other thing to note would be, you know, this is really the time to really 
gain wealth, right? Is to really be buying in in these boring times, these uncertain times. This is really where um, you'll make a lot of money. A lot of people are very happy buying in the middle of a beautiful bull market where it's only going up. Um, everyone's a great investor, but you're buying everything at a premium. The people who get in now, you know, you look forward in a, a year, two years, three years, you're going to look at some of the prices on these companies and be like, oh my God, I should have done it. You know, so some of some companies won't make it and some of the strong ones will really kind of excel through it. But this is the time to buy. You know, when we see red, it is it is a discount tag. So you can really kind of get in there at a good time. But I think now more than ever, it's more important to do your own research understand the fundamentals of some of these companies and decide where it fits as far as its riskiness in your portfolio and start to build it off of that. But all in all, I think we're also going to be watching to see how much farther it'll drop, but it's definitely something that we've needed. We've kind of been putting this off for so long. So it's um, it's an interesting time, but you know, there's really not much we can do about it at this point. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, so with that being said, let's go ahead and move into the book. Let's talk about something we can't control. Uh, this week on episode 142, we are going into part two of a book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Super incredible book. Ross and I have been ranting and raving about it already in the previous episode. Uh, Ross, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts were uh, so far of the uh, of kind of the, the, the second part of the book. Yeah, I mean, off the bat, I think it really lived up to the first half. I think I was really kind of curious to see because we had such high um, expectations and, and it really met all of those on the first half, you know, how would the second half be? And also how would it be, you know, doing an episode essentially in two parts? This is the first time we've done this. So I would say as far as the book goes, I thought it was great. I mean, there's so many little tidbits that we can jump into, but it really kind of held on well. And you can see that, you know, the book was really written in a few different parts. So it kind of, everything was kind of spaced out properly and it really kind of kept building upon itself. But I, I really enjoyed it. I thought this is by far one of the best books we've read. What do you think? Yeah, I would, I completely agree. This has been an absolutely enlightening book and he touched on so many things. I mean, everything from personal accountability to team environment to building culture to keeping p other people accountable to being leaders to um, you know how, how to generate metrics driven results and how, how to keep people accountable to match I mean there was it was really really in depth when it came to his way of looking at life and I think that there were a lot of great pieces in this book uh, that he was able to really bring out the best of. So, for example, his system, his methodology for uh, radical truth and radical transparency in the office place. Like, it is truly special. I mean, literally, his subordinates have the opportunity to respectfully tell their superiors exactly how they feel. And if you think to any business that you've worked in, organization that you've been a part of, group of friends that you've chosen to spend time with, how often is there a place where you can truly be radically truthful and radically transparent with how you feel without things being taken personally? It doesn't exist. It, it's it's something that's very difficult to create. And 
being that he's been able to generate this in the workplace and in his life, this book is a testament to the to the principles, you know, obviously the name of the title, right? The principles that he's put in place work. They have the ability to generate an environment, an ecosystem, a container where people can be completely and totally radically true with one another and radically transparent in their intentions, in their in their meaning, in in the feedback that they're looking to 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 give to people, right? That's so difficult to create, and it's so clear that because of this framework, he's been able to create that. Yeah, honestly, he did a he did a really good job. Um, it's such a good point. I mean, we've I think when we think of our own experiences, right, the the managers that you've been able to kind of have the best relationship with and really speak the most freely to normally were kind of the most beneficial on, on a personal and professional level. Um, so I think having that openness and setting that, you know, that not standard, but that expectation that this is okay, right? That you can, if you have something you really want to bring up, bring it up. Uh, because I think there's a lot of growth that can, be, that can come from that. And I think a lot of people skip that um, because they're worried that there's going to be conflict. So I think, that was something that was really big. I know another section that I liked where um, pretty much how everything is a machine, right? Instead of thinking of different events throughout your life as all separate, you can kind of think of them as all together, right? You're, they're all kind of building on each other. Past experiences continue to grow and you start to see everything more as like a wave versus like structured blocks. So it was just an interesting way of thinking about how you kind of go through life and how you want to kind of take, as the book's titled, these principles kind of through to be able to help guide you and keep you on this path going forward. So all these different experiences continue to build on each other and really kind of help re reassure as well the, the decision-making process and kind of let you fine-tune that as well. So that to me was was a really interesting kind of way of looking, I would say, at life almost. Um, and just understanding that everything is connected to everything, I think is a really interesting way of putting it. So... I don't know. There were a lot of different things I liked. What what's kind of coming to your mind more? Well, you know, I think what's most surprising for me is this dichotomy that Ray has in his methodology. Like I don't know if you felt this way, but from the beginning of the book with kind of the way he described like his basic needs, how he doesn't really need frills in life and how he kind of just wishes he could surf and do his own thing. He, it makes you feel like he's actually a pretty relaxed guy. But then you think back to like, okay, well, Ray Dalio is one of the wealthiest man, men on the planet. Like, in order to get there, he probably had to be ruthless. And, and it didn't really click for me how ruthless he was until you got into the back end of the book where he talks about hiring and firing. And maybe the ruthless isn't the right word because I feel like he he – the reason why he has this type of environment is because he's not ruthless, but he's just very direct, I guess. But this concept of you have to shoot your friends sometimes, right? Like, like sometimes you have to do it. Like you don't have a choice, right? Like even though you like someone in the business, if they're not providing the value that they need to provide, then you need to close that relationship. And nobody likes to close the relationship. Like even him at the beginning of the book said, that he'd rather have relationships than money. But the way that he looks at it is if this relationship isn't 
benefiting the cause, I can find a way to be a, a friend of yours outside the business, but my business needs to have the right people in the right seats. And I think that was a, that's a really interesting distinction that I feel like a lot of people choose not to see, right? And also a, a big, you know, in most companies, right? Like people want to hire their friends. This idea that you need to hire your friends is really important, right? Like go find your, your, your best friend that can do this next job. He's quite the contrary. He's like, no, like nobody gets to be hired because they're a friend of the people that work for the company. The only thing they can do is be referred in for an interview, period. That's it. And that's assuming the person actually wants to give them their badge of honor because they're going to go through the ringer. And I really appreciate that because I feel like it's so easy for people to manipulate scenarios and change outcomes based off of whether they like someone or not versus whether they're the best person for the job. So I, I think that it's really quite noble and, and allows for a fair playing field for everyone in the ecosystem when you hire and you award people based off of merit and not based off of personality and who they are. So I think that some of his more rigorous methodologies and rigorous uh, ways of thinking start to bleed out in the back end of the book more. So I think you really get an interesting balance of upfront this light ver lighter, you know, perspective of Ray Dalio that you wouldn't normally consider when you think of the powerhouse that is Ray Dalio and his firm, right? And then on the back end you start to see how he balanced his care for people and in love of relationships with his ability to generate metrics driven results. Right. And it's kind of that yin and yang. You have to have both, you know, and I feel like sometimes companies either have one or the other in abundance. And because they don't have that balance, they put themselves in a situation where, you know, either employees expectations aren't met or company expectations aren't met. Right. Because either the employee feels like they didn't get what they needed and or the company feels like they got gypped because they're paying for someone that's not delivering. Right. But in this situation where you have this balance, there's clarity because there's radical truth and radical transparency. But there's also care and appreciation from the perspective of, you know, superiors and, and, and subordinates can find ways to communicate honestly and truthfully while still also being respected. So I find it very interesting some of the ways that he goes about troubleshooting, even to the extent where like there's an example in the book where he talks about, um, you know, if a subordinate and a superior are having a conversation, right, the subordinate still has the space to come back and say something to the superior. However, because of the situation with uh, hierarchy, right, like the subordinate has to listen and be open to what the superior says first, because what the su subordinate could be requesting or advising could be answered by the superior's way of wording things because of their additional knowledge, right? So it's like this concept of respect both sides of the coin in equal measure. And I, I think that he does a really good job of finding that balance. I'd agree. And I think it's so funny you brought that up because I actually thought about that near the later half. 
is the whole book almost feels like it's written with a very relaxed, almost like sitting on a tropical beach with like a drink kind of feel. And then it just continues going like that for so long. And then, yeah, it got a lot more ruthless. And I was like, it feels interesting because I still feel comfortable. Like I'm on the beach, this and that. But this guy is just going to town. You know what I mean? So I thought it was interesting as well. It just had kind of a different, I don't know, I feel like the, the writing style almost didn't match how aggressive he was in there. But he was kind of really focusing on those learnings and teachings from those moments, which I think is why it allowed it to, to stay like that. But that was something that I'm kind of happy you brought up because I was laughing about that for a moment when I read it. But I don't know. Uh, I don't really have too much more other than honestly, and we can get into final thoughts, read the book. I mean, it was really good. I think there's a lot. Normally, we always say you can take one or, you know, if you take one thing from the book, it's a win. This one, you could easily take two, three, four, five things and use in your everyday life just because they really are actionable and things that, you know, really just comes down to effort a lot of the time. So I really, really enjoyed it. Two thumbs up for me. What do you think, Moore? I voiced the same uh, remarks. I mean, I thought it was really good. It lived up to the hype. I've been wanting to read this book for a long time. I'm very happy that I did. I think a book that I would come back to and listen to again, read again, um, refer back to some of his ideologies and ways of thinking because it just was really well put together and everything just flowed really well. And then on top of that, again, there's a really great balance of this surrender, life is good mentality and this ruthless go-getter uh, and I really love that. I thought that it was really beautiful from that perspective. So highly recommend it. Definitely go read the book. Probably a top five book, like really legitimately a top five book uh, on this podcast. And uh, with that being said, my name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Anarelli. This is the Market Today podcast. You have just watched episode 142, and we will see you next week. Take care.